0: Listen, we're going to open with prayer. I appreciate you guys really agreeing with me. The Bible says "If two agree on earth is touching anything. He'll do it. Okay, so let's agree together. Father, we lift up the word of the Lord tonight before. If you could make sure all um, music and everything's off. But Lord, we thank you for this time. We bless you. And as we pray tonight, we ask you that the heavens be really open. Your glory would be awesome in this place. But, But Lord, we ask you that you would anoint me and speak through me everything that needs to be said. And, Lord, by your precious Holy Spirit, everyone hearing this, the Holy Spirit will move upon us and give us good, fertile soil. Like the parable of the seed and the sower. We don't want hard hearts. We don't want any uh, areas of our lives that make it difficult. But, Lord, help us to have good, fertile soil of hearts and minds that your Holy Spirit will just lock us in to give you our best here, our full attention, our focus. We're not going to be distracted. Lord, that your Holy Spirit touch our eyes and ears, anoint them, give us eyes and ears of the Spirit that we can see and we can hear what you're saying to us. There can be real good perception and retention. Help us to remember and, and to apply. As the Bible talks about being a hearer and a doer. And Lord, I pray as you speak through me, it'll be living seeds of truth sown into good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. And, Lord, this will be powerful. Let it be a light that shines and dispels all the darkness and lies and evil and deception of the enemy and brings truth and revelation knowledge. And, Lord, let it be a hammer that breaks down the strongholds, a sword that penetrates. And let the precious Holy Spirit, let the winds of your spirit carry this out among the nations. It's going to get where it needs to go. And let your mighty angels watch over your word and so we know jesus said the birds of the air try to steal the seed so we agree together that anything of the enemy that would try to hinder the word of god try to distract or try to hinder in any way from going forth and accomplish everything god sent forth to do we agree together in jesus name we bind you now we command you to back off right now lord let your angels just clear the air from anything of the enemy and we stand on the promise your word will go forth and accomplish everything you sent it forth to do it will not return void. So, Lord, we thank you. Give us clarity and let everything be accomplished in it through this sermon that you will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you guys for agreeing with me. Again, this sermon is very, very pastoral, very teaching. And so I feel in my heart as I've been going through this series that God is beginning to break some things open for River of Life. We've prayed about things for some time, and God is wanting to enlarge our tent pegs. He's wanting to give us breakthroughs. And when the old tactics of the enemy are no longer able to do anything, then the enemy tries new tactics, okay? And so I felt the Lord tell me just to be aware of that. And this sermon series came to me, and in this, really dealing with things that need to be dealt with so that you will be protected and ready for anything that the devil may try to do and so in that I'm going to deal with the body soul and spirit of man tonight and I'm sure some people that have been saved for a while have heard this but maybe not everything that I'm going to cover I think that I'll deal with some things you haven't heard but we need to know this. And so this sermon has to do with being brought to maturity. Do you remember that the Apostle Paul stated, I wish that I could say more to you, but you're still carnal. Remember that? And how the book of Hebrews and others mention how people are still on milk, but they should be on meat. You know, they've never really matured. They've never really uh growing up the way they need to so this is a sermon that has a lot to do with that i'll deal with a disciplined soul but um, anyway we need to cover all that so let me go ahead and open with the scripture galatians two twenty. i have been crucified with christ it's no longer i who live but christ lives in me in the life which i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loves me and gave himself up for me so there's a crucified life in Christ. So as you go through this and you start reading different scriptures about like uh, this is it 2 Thessalonians 5.23. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, may the God of peace sanctify you throughout your spirit, soul, and body. A lot of people have never really understood the spirit's own body. So we're going to deal with that tonight, okay? So if you look at this diagram here. This will serve the purpose the outer part of this that's kind of dark like a grayish color represents the body And then you have the multicolor that represents the soul and then you've got the interior which represents the spirit And as we begin to move into maturity in christianity, we have to learn to die to our flesh Then we have to learn to renew and discipline the soul area, a renewed mind, a disciplined soul. And we have to learn to live according to the spirit. But I would have to say, sadly, that many times, um, a lot of people never really break into the fullness of the maturity God has for them. Many people, sadly, still live according to their flesh and what they want when they want and it makes me sad because i think that a lot of things going on today in society uh you know in the body of christ rather i think a lot of things are catering to what people want instead of what god wants and it's not helping people to grow up in the lord so there's this crucified life in christ where you really die to the flesh and what you want and you live according to the spirit do you remember when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying some of the disciples he had with him he took Peter James and John with him into the actual garden so he left others back that he was teaching but he took them with him and they kept falling asleep on him and he told him he said guys you better pray why because your spirit is willing but your flesh is weak and he knew that there was about to be a major major attack of the devil and of course it was God's purposes and God's plans were accomplished but um peter james and john should have really been praying uh, during that time so sometimes when it's the hardest to pray it's also the most important times to pray but see your flesh does not want to pray so the way that god created man in the garden of eden let's start at the beginning so god takes adam and he he wants to create mankind in his image now you know, he had myriads of angels, but angels were more or less like maids and butlers and those that would serve. And he wanted a family. He wanted people, the human race, the human race would be created in his image, but he wanted them to love him unconditionally, but to love him without being forced. And so he gave mankind a free will. That you can love God or you can reject God, but everybody has a free will. And God will never take that from you, by the way. And so when he goes to create Adam, he goes down into the dirt and he begins to fashion the dirt into the shell of his physical body. And then he kneels down, kind of like a resuscitation type thing, and he breathes down into Adam's mouth. He blows into him. He breathes into him. A, a spirit and a soul. And Adam became a living being. And we know that, that eventually Adam was all the different animals were coming to him, and Adam saw all the creation, and he saw how you know they would be a rhino, there'd be a male and female rhino, there'd be a male and female, you know, chimpanzee or whatever. And he started realizing how come everybody how come there's two of everything and there's just one of me? You know, and so. God saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone so he put Adam to sleep and took a rib out and he formed Eve but God created Adam a spirit, a soul, and a body now before the fall there was probably a lot to this that we don't fully understand but God wants us now in Christ to be living where our spirit man is dominant the spirit man is king And you're living in the spirit. You're walking in the spirit. And because of that, you're being led by the Holy Spirit who communes with your spirit. And so your inner spirit man is being developed and strengthened And that your soul area. Let's break these down as we go. So the inner spirit man that needs to be king. See, when you die, your physical body is going into the ground, but you have a spirit body. Your spirit body is just like your physical body. You have spiritual vision, spiritual hearing, spiritual taste, spiritual touch. How many of you guys have felt God's presence? See, that's usually more or less in your spirit area that you sense that. But this is your inner spirit man. It's a spirit body. So when you die, your spirit body is going to leave your flesh. But your soul area is altogether different. Your soul has to do with your personality. So your soul is your mind. This is the part of you that reasons. And there's logic. When you go to school, and you're a little kid. And the teacher's trying to teach you, you know, two and two equal four. Okay, And your mind begins to develop. That's that's your soul area, and also your soul is your emotions, the things that make you happy and sad, and etc. It's your developed emotions. It is what makes you um, who you are, the way you talk, the way you respond to people. All of that has to do with your soul. So your soul is your mind and your emotions, but it's also your will. Your soul area is where you make decisions. And your soul is also your imagination. And it's interesting because God, when he made the angels, he didn't make the angels in his image. And the image and likeness, the image has to do with the spirit. The likeness has to do with the soul. And so God, being a creator, put it in man to be creative. But it doesn't seem to me like angels necessarily have that imaginative, creative aspect. But your imagination, all of that has to do with the soul. When you sleep at night, your body goes in that comatose state, your mind goes into, your soul area begins to go down into like an unconscious area, and you begin to dream, but the dreams are more in your soul area too. So is this making sense so far your spirit body, but your soul area is your personality the way you think your emotions your decisions your imagination. It also has to do with your memory all the things that you remember of the past all of that like a like a computer is stored in the soul. And it's so important that as you accept Christ as your savior The very first thing that God begins to do is the Holy Spirit begins to move into your spirit. And God begins to change you in your spirit area. Your spirit area, your spirit body, this is where true worship is. You ever notice that? The Bible says true worshipers will worship in spirit. So, this is the part of you where there's true worship your spirit man is also where your conscience is i mean god since you accepted christ did something and the holy spirit convicted you and you knew all right that's that's your spirit that's your conscience <laughs> and so that inner man that spirit man the holy spirit abides there he he lives there and that's the place where you have your conscience that's the place where you have worship that's the part of you that's the most sensitive to the holy spirit and when god communes with you primarily it will be in your spirit man but it will begin to come up into the soul and you'll know that god's speaking to you and so as you begin to develop your inner man this is so important what i'm teaching tonight because it has everything to do with our spiritual maturity As we spend time daily really praying and spending time in God's presence in prayer, you're developing your inner spirit man. Your spirit man is strengthened and refreshed. Your discernment is sharp. All of that has to do with that inner spirit man. And so as you also, the Bible says in the book of Jude that you build up your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. And it's out of your spirit, man, is where true faith comes from. And as you pray in the spirit, really that's coming up out of your spirit, man. So the spirit is where God the Holy Spirit will refresh and renew you And he will commune the most with you in that realm. And as you pray, as you read the Bible, as you read the word of God, it nourishes your spirit. And as you begin to really grow in Christ, you begin to move into a place of revelation knowledge. But that's from your spirit. How many of you guys have ever read the word and And you got to a place in the Bible where you said, man, I've never seen that before. But you really, something was revealed to you. You experienced that? That actually comes more from your spirit. The Holy Spirit in you is revealing something to you. And this is more in the spirit. All right, so your soul area has got to be really disciplined. And this has a lot to do with maturity. Your soul area, the Bible says that your mind has got to be renewed. So the renewing of the mind comes from an interesting Greek word, metamorpho. It says that you're transformed, and that word transformed is metamorpho, and it's where we get the word metamorphosis. I mean, you guys have ever seen a caterpillar? They're not the most attractive things, Right? Here they are going along the ground. But when they go in that cocoon and they come out, they're a beautiful butterfly. So that is a metamorphosis. And it's really a miracle of God that that happens. So anyway, that metamorphosis that takes place is the same Greek word metamorpho in that transformation. As we begin to renew our minds The Bible says that we will experience a great transformation that takes place in us. You will move from the caterpillar life in Christ to the butterfly life. Caterpillars don't get very far very fast. (laughs) Caterpillars, if they ever come upon an obstacle, they've got to climb that thing and struggle all the way up and over. But a butterfly is faster and soars above all of that. And so the renewed mind has a lot to do with that. Now let me explain the soul area. The soul area requires great discipline. If you were to start lifting weights on your, your bicep and you, you begin to do that every day, do some curls, pretty soon that muscle in your arm is going to get really developed and very strong. And it's going to build up, you know, it's going to grow some and it's going to be very hard and very strong. But in the same way, if you were to totally quit that, over time, your muscle will begin to soften and get more flabby. The soul area has to be disciplined or it's going to get very flabby. And what I mean by that is the Holy Spirit will help us because how many knows we need his help? But he's going to help you that your mind is going to begin to think upon the things it's supposed to think about. See, the Bible says think upon these things and it lists pure and lovely and all that. And in that list of the things we're to think upon, it's not things like bitterness, the people that's wronged you, what they did to you, lustful, violent things. You see what I'm saying? The mind needs to be on the things of the Lord. And so when wrong thoughts begin to come into the mind, God wants us just to simply dismiss those and discipline our mind to think upon good things. But when we don't do that and we have an undisciplined mind, there's going to be a lot of things going on in your thought life that doesn't need to be going on there. Sometimes if you dismiss something and you're trying to discipline your mind and it keeps being really persistent, then you need to take authority over something that may be trying to put thoughts in your mind. This is really basic tonight, but it's very important. How many Christians out there go around and something is shooting fiery darts in their mind and they just try to ignore it and go through their day and they live frustrated? If something is putting fiery darts in your mind, you need to take authority over that thing. So if, you, if you're disciplining your mind and it's not working because something just keeps oppressing you, you need in, in Jesus' name, I take authority, I bind whatever is trying to put thoughts in my head, you're going to go right now for me in the name of Jesus. Then renew your mind and you'll find that it works. But do not let the enemy keep messing with you like that. That's some of the greatest battlegrounds is in your mind and your emotions. So the Bible calls them fiery darts for a reason. How many of you guys ever watch westerns? Aren't you remember in the westerns, here come the Indians with their arrows and the fiery arrows. You guys ever seen this? Pretty soon, man, they start like taking the wagons and circling the wagons. The guys are hunkered down, they're shooting their rifles. But what happens? The Indians' arrows come in, and because they're on fire, and they strike those wagons, if they don't put out the fire, then pretty soon the whole wagon is engulfed in flames. (coughs) And that's exactly why the Bible calls these fiery darts. Because it's a thought, but it's a supernaturally empowered thought that has been shot into your mind If you don't um, renew your mind and get rid of it, but you keep entertaining it, like a fire, it will spread. How many of you guys know that, you know, like an adulterous affair or something like that does not happen just spontaneously? It's something that was entertained in the mind before it ever actually happened. It was a fiery dart that went into the mind, and the person began to entertain those thoughts. And pretty soon soon it consumed them and then they acted on what they already thought about. How many times if people would just renew their minds, so many things would have never happened that could have happened. So that disciplined mind that we're not going to sit around entertaining thoughts, we're not going to sit around entertaining thoughts about people that's hurt us in the past, We're not going to sit around entertaining thoughts of bitterness. We're not going to entertain thoughts of rejection. How many people have gone into places and they have kind of a rejection mentality? And they sit there and they think to themselves, these people don't like me. And they, they go through this whole thing in their mind. And it's just within their own mind. And pretty soon because they think that way, they start acting a certain way that causes rejection and problems. So there's so much in this area of the mind that if we begin to renew our mind with the word of God and discipline that mind also out of this not only a disciplined mind but disciplined emotions. A flabby soul (laughs) is one that has no discipline in the emotions at all. Somebody will be really up one day And down in a dark place the next, literally, 24 hour period. They are really up and really down. There's no discipline in their emotions, there's no discipline in their mind. Everything, you got to understand the greatest battleground is probably in the area of the soul. This is the area where the enemy will try to take those fiery darts and shoot thoughts. And and let me tell you, that fire that's on the dart, remember this, it's supernatural power. So it's a supernaturally empowered thought. It's not just a passing thought. There's something to it. And you're going to have to renew your mind and get that out. But also, he will try to shoot those fiery darts into your emotions. And this is the realm where people get offended. This is the realm where people get into depression. And they haven't really disciplined. I think a lot of times, I know that the enemy can oppress people, and I believe in that. But I think a lot of depression has to do with a lot of times people have not disciplined their mind to think on the goodness of God and dwell on that. And they have not disciplined their emotions. To praise God even in the difficult times. And to be thankful even in the difficult times. This is the area where it's going to be either we're a babe in Christ or we're going to grow up in a maturity. But somebody that's really maturing in the Lord will have that disciplined mind that they're thinking upon the goodness of God in their mind daily. And they're thankful in their hearts to God about his goodness. Their hearts really are thankful and pure. And because of their mind and their emotions are thankful and they're focused on God, they're focused on what the Lord says about them, they're focused on what the Bible says, they're disciplined in that. Then they're not going to be dwelling in pity parties, in depression. And I'll tell you something else. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A, a lack of discipline in the soul will also be a lack of discipline in the mouth. And so this area of really disciplining yourself in the soul area is so vital that, that it, it's going to have a lot to do with the victory that we walk in or we don't walk in. And I think about Romans 12, one here in, in verse 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So that's your physical body that is laid down on the altar. Lord, consume me with your fire. Burn out anything not of you. But then he said, don't be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you'll prove what the will of God is, the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Excuse me. And so the, the good, pleasing, perfect will of God has to do with the soul area being disciplined and a renewed mind in that transformed life to really know God's will. And James 3.13, who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show it by his good behavior, his deeds, in the gentleness of wisdom. <coughs> but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant, so lie against the truth. This wisdom which comes, is not which comes down from above. But look at this, it's earthly, natural, and demonic. Earthly, and that word natural, can be soulish. That's very important that people understand that. Earthly, soulish, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder in every evil thing. See, as you begin to really grow up in the Lord and you really begin to develop your inner spirit man, I can't tell you how important it is to have a daily prayer life. Some people get out of that, they used to have it, and when they get out of it, It's subtle and they don't know it, but they become very carnal. And now they're living according to the flesh. Now it's what they want. It's, you know, what does your flesh want? Your flesh wants food instead of fasting. Your flesh wants to sleep in instead of praying, you see. And so now they become babes again. And what happens to their discernment? Their discernment becomes very dull. And now their spiritual walk is kind of dry. And they're not really spiritually strong and on that, have that edge they used to have. So another thing I would point out here in James 3.13 is you read about that natural, that earthly and soulish and demonic. Once you really develop your inner man, you have to understand there's a big difference between a true prophecy that will come up out of somebody's spirit By the Holy Spirit. Versus a soulish prophecy. That just comes out of their human soul. Did everybody get that? Because I've seen a lot of soulish stuff. Let me say it again. True prophecy will come from the Holy Spirit. But it comes up out of your spirit. But a lot of times people will get things. And they'll think it's God, but it's not. It's their own soul. It's their mind. It's their emotions. It's their imagination. But it's not originated in the spirit. And that's why James says that that type of wisdom is just earthly, it's soulish, and it can slip pretty quickly into the demonic. that's why it's so important that the gift of discerning of spirits is at work in the body somewhere because you need to know are we dealing here with the holy spirit or are we dealing with some other strange spirit or are we just dealing with somebody's humanity they mean well but it's just simply not god it's just them And the Word of God is the one that helps us begin like a sword that helps us to divide between the spirit and soul. That people understand there's a difference between something that comes from the Holy Spirit and is birthed in your spirit and comes forth as opposed to something that's just the human soul. And it's just simply that person And then finally, we get to the flesh. So you go from the spirit to the soul, which is just who you are. You've got to learn to differentiate even between your own voice and the voice of the Lord. Because you have your own internal voice, which is your soul area. I think this, I think that, I think this will work out. You know, it's our own voice within, You've got to learn the difference between the Holy Spirit and your voice. But now you're dealing with also the flesh. And your human physical body. See, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, that went into their physical body. And so now their physical body, there was a rebellion that took place. And now the sin nature came into the flesh. Is everybody following me? This is really pastoral tonight. I pray that everybody's soaking it up because we really need this. And so your flesh is where your sin nature dwells. And until we shed this old body, we're going to be dealing with the flesh the rest of our lives. And that's why Jesus was trying to tell the disciples, your spirit man is willing, but your flesh is still weak. You better get in prayer. And the Apostle Paul was saying, I've been crucified with Christ. And, and then in 1 Corinthians thirteen thirty-one, he says, I die daily. It's important. I can't tell you how important it is that every day that we die to our flesh. And the way that you die to your flesh is by getting into prayer. And your flesh is not going to want to spend time with the Lord. But the more, every day, the more that we discipline ourselves. And this, listen to me. I'm going to say this as a pastor because I love everybody. What I'm preaching on tonight has to do with whether you're a babe in Christ or you're mature. You could be saved for 50 years and still be in diapers spiritually. So don't tell me how long you've been saved. Are you dying to your flesh every day or are you walking in the flesh? See, we have to die every day. And the way that we do that is we get up and say, okay, flesh, my inner spirit, man, is going to be king. My soul area is going to be servant. It's going to be discipline today. And flesh, you're going to be a slave. I'm dying to this flesh. My flesh does not want to seek God. But I'm going to die to this flesh, and I'm going to begin to press into God. And as you begin to to pray and to worship and enter into a quiet time with the Lord, you'll find that now the Holy Spirit begins to move and your inner spirit man gets strengthened and refreshed in God. And you're putting your flesh under and your spirit man is being strengthened and now you're walking in the spirit for the day. And you'll walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But sadly, many people, they've accepted the Lord, but they really, just like Paul said, I wish that I could speak more maturely, but you're still carnal. They're still fleshly. They still want what their flesh wants. And I'll tell you, one of the greatest ways to really bring your flesh under subjection is to live a fasted life too. That you have seasons in your life of fasting because when you mix prayer and fasting it is so powerful it really disciplines your flesh and see your flesh has an appetite not just for food but you'll notice that the flesh the human flesh has lusts about it like for example your body your flesh your sin nature will instinctively begin to crave things that have to do with the sin nature You ever wonder sometimes, how is it that that Christian fell into this sin or fell into that or got into that? Well, a lot of times it's flesh. they, They need to bring their flesh under. See, the human flesh, there's lust there. Do you remember the children of Israel? They were in the wilderness, and they began to crave that food and that quail. And remember that God got so angry with them? You know why? Because they were lusting after it. See, there's lust of the flesh. And one of the greatest ways to really die to the flesh is to intermix some fasting in there. And as you begin to fast and you begin to pray, you're bringing your body under subjection. You're dying to the flesh. And as you begin to really discipline your soul area that I am not going to be up and down, I'm not gonna be in some depression or some pity party and I'm not going to entertain thoughts that the devil puts in my mind. You can forget about it. My mind is gonna be disciplined to think the way God wants it to. And I'm not gonna be all over the place with my emotions. My emotions, the Holy Spirit helps me that I'm going to live a disciplined life and just walk in the joy of the Lord. I understand that we all go through stuff, but we should still have some kind of a discipline there that we're not all over the place either you know being really high one day really down the next and stuff like that that's undisciplined emotions and see what happened in the garden of eden was that i believe personally that when god made adam that adam had absolutely no imperfection and no problems and so him being totally pure And him walking the way that he was in God, the way he was created, I personally believe that Adam could see and communicate in the spirit realm with just as much ease as he could with his physical body. There was no difference at all. And that his soul was so pure. There was an authority there. There was no insecurities. There were no fears. There were no worries. He just simply was very secure about who he was in God. But see, when the fall happened, God told him, he said, the day you eat that fruit, you'll die. And people say, well, he actually physically died like 900 years later or something. But you got to understand, he spiritually died the moment he ate it. He, the Holy Spirit began to lift off and out. And his inner spirit began to have that disconnect with God. And because of that, now every person that's born, they're born into this world where the Holy Spirit is not dwelling within them until they accept Christ. So their inner spirit man, is there's a disconnect, there's a death there. But once they accept Christ as their Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into their spirit and their spirit begins to be developed. And as you pray, and by constant use, you begin to, your inner senses get trained to discern good from evil. You begin to get into the word of God. You begin to pray in the spirit. Your inner spirit is stronger and more sensitive and more discerning. How many people have experienced this? Maybe years ago, you were around certain things that didn't bother you, but you accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit's in you now. And now you can get around certain things and you feel in your spirit uncomfortable. That is your spirit discerning good from evil it's not natural there's something the Holy Spirit in you you're discerning something and the Bible says in the book of Hebrews five fourteen, solid food is for the mature who because of practice or constant use is a translation their senses have trained to discern good from evil it's talking about your inner senses of your spirit it's not talking about your physical body and so when you accept Christ the Holy Spirit comes into your spirit and your spirit begins to be developed, but that same work needs to go from your spirit and begin to move into your soul. Where the Holy Spirit begins to move with strength into your soul area, your mind is being renewed, your emotions disciplined, now you, the fruit of the spirit is becoming more evident in your life. But see, our physical bodies because of the sin nature in us the physical bodies have to be crucified with christ daily they have to be so your physical body is connected to this earth when you die your body is going to go into the ground from the dirt you came the dirt you're going to go back okay and i know a lot of people don't know this and i don't want to rabbit trail on this but if you die right now you're going to go to be with the lord in heaven but eventually all of us are going to be on the earth with him in your glorified bodies your body has to do with this earth that's another subject for another day but anyway your physical bodies commune with what vision hearing taste smell touch and your physical bodies crave things like to sleep when you need it to eat food sexual desires things like that that's the flesh But your bodies have to be crucified. And God will help us every day to bring the flesh under. And to walk in the spirit and have that disciplined soul. And that right there what I just described has everything to do with being brought to maturity in the Lord. People that I have found that I can talk about prayer. And you'll find that some people have all these excuses why they can't pray but yet they find time for other things you know what it is it's just their flesh their flesh don't want to pray they're still a little babe and you'll start talking about fasting man if i've ever had a subject where i've heard excuses pop up fast <laughs> it's a fast so we're talking about fasting the power of fast oh but you know and then these excuses just start flying you know like, oh well, you can do what you want. But the thing is, fasting is powerful. But your flesh doesn't want to fast. Your flesh doesn't want to pray. Your flesh doesn't want to fast. Your flesh just simply wants to eat and sleep and be lazy. So you have to put that flesh under and die to it. Y'all see what I'm saying tonight? This is a really, really basic sermon, but. And I'm sure that many of you probably heard some of it before. But if we don't master these basics, then we're always going to be struggling. You know, I remember that um, uh, Tiger Woods, they were talking about how from the time he was such a little boy, his dad was teaching him, you know, the real basics of really having a good swing. And as he grew up, you know, your, your body gets taller and all this. You have to kind of adjust things. But... He always got the basics down so well that when he got older, he became exceptional. So the thing is, you you have to really master these basics. A lot of people get older in the Lord, and they, they know things they used to not know, and they think, oh yeah, I'm doing great. But they've gotten away from some of these basics, and they're actually a lot more carnal than what they realize. And when Satan wants to come and attack, they're more vulnerable than what they realize. All right, so let me kind of close out now with this the deep consecration. So Hebrews 10 19. Here in a couple weeks or so, we're going to have our church wide time of prayer and fasting. And I really encourage people to go after it, man. Go after God with it. It's just a couple weeks. Whatever God puts on your heart to fast, a partial fast is fine, but just, you know, let God lead you. But as you begin to to die to the flesh and spend time in prayer and fasting, you're going to find that God will do a deep work in your life. And during that time of prayer and fasting, let God show you, ask him, Lord, search me and know me and show me, is there any unforgiveness in my life? Is there any sin in my life that I haven't discerned? Help me to see the things that I need to see. Things that maybe I could not see before, but I want to see them now. Show me so that I can repent. I want to go deeper in Christ. I want to go to a new level. And when people really begin to pray and fast and humble themselves like that, it is so powerful. So for a couple of weeks we're going to do that. And I encourage you to go after God. Then at the end of that time, we'll have our deep consecration service. And but anyway, let me read Hebrews 10 19. Therefore, brethren, since we have a confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Have you ever thought about when we take communion. That we're applying the blood to our lives. It says here that we can come. We can enter by the blood of the lamb. But it also says beyond the veil which is his flesh. Have you ever thought about that as you're reverencing the body and blood of Jesus. And that bread represents his flesh as you partake of this, that there's somehow that you're already beginning to move beyond the veil. You see what I'm saying? And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart full of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, that's the blood, and our bodies washed with pure water. And that obviously has to do with the immersion, waters of immersion. And I want to close out with this this last thing. So we're going to have this deep consecration time where we really begin to to let God purify us. And I've learned a long time ago that not everybody wants to go there. We We were just talking about that today with some minister friends of ours at lunch. We were talking about this very subject. The deeper you go in Christ, the fewer people go. All of a sudden when you start talking about these scriptures right here, dying to the flesh, you begin to lose some people. Disciplining the soul, prayer and fasting, you lose more people. People, sadly, I think a lot of times in America, people just simply want what they want, what their flesh wants. And I'm concerned because end time prophecy says that there would come a day that people won't endure sound doctrine. They'll just want to hear what they want to hear. That's flesh. That's flesh what their itching ears want to hear they don't want to hear something deeper that's going to challenge them so let me let me close out with this understanding the difference between sin transgression and iniquity real quick and then we'll pray tonight how many guys want just a fresh anointing from the lord well understanding sin and transgressions and iniquity because I don't I didn't want to spend a lot of time on this I don't have a lot of scriptures here but you can easily look up things for yourself but sin means missing the mark you guys remember in first John it says if we say we're without sin we just deceive ourselves but if we sin we have an advocate with the father if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all righteousness so sin means missing the mark we all have a sin nature. We're we're fallen creatures. We live in a fallen world. And there's times that everybody simply sins to some degree. In thought, word, or deed. And that's why it's important that we're quick to confess. So if you're dealing with unforgiveness or you're dealing with a sin, it's very important that you're very quick to forgive people. And quick to say Lord forgive me for that wash me I repent do it quickly Don't wait till the next church service If you do something you say something you get out of the way And you you you're wrong You need to quickly deal with it And if you live that way You're going to live close to God Because it's sin that separates us from the Lord okay So to go deeper with this though sin is missing the mark you take how many guys have ever shot a bow and arrow some have some haven't all right well if not that a gun or something all right so you take a bow and arrow and you try to hit that mark you're doing your best and you shoot it and you miss it all together it's stuck in the board over here to the left and the target's way down here and people are snickering at you missed it completely right not that i've ever done that What are y'all thinking? Y'all like reading into this? Some kind of story of mine or something? But anyway, so you miss the mark. That's that's how sin is. You're really trying to live for the Lord, but you miss it. Now, transgression is totally different. Jesus, the Bible says that he was pierced for our transgressions. Transgression means rebellion. It doesn't mean missing the mark. It means rebellion, straight up rebellion. So rebellion is where somebody is sitting back here. They know that something is wrong. And they think about it. They know what they're doing. But they say, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And they rebel. That's a transgression. The Bible gives us the the indication in Scripture that, that sin is just washed away. But rebellion has to be blotted out. But again, Jesus was pierced for our transgression. So Jesus paid for it. See, a good example is Eve was deceived. She was tricked. So she sinned. But Adam was not deceived. He knew what he was doing. So he transgressed. There's a difference. And we know, not meaning to rabbit trail too much, you become a slave to the one that you obey. So when Adam obeyed Satan, he came under Satan's authority. Okay, so anyway, that's sin, transgression, now iniquity. Iniquity comes from a root word that means bent, crooked, or perverse. Iniquity, Jesus was bruised for your iniquity. So a bruising is where you bleed a little bit on the inside. And so iniquity is something that is within somebody that they keep struggling with the same thing over and over and over. They feel some kind of an inner drive that they need to be free from it. And yes, the demonic can get on that iniquity and make it a lot worse, but the Lord still needs to take that iniquity out completely. And the good news is that he was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, so he paid for it. And I've found that if you have something in your life that you feel is iniquity, some kind of a drive, and let me tell you about iniquity, iniquity goes down family bloodlines, strong. There's iniquity drives within people. Pride is a big one, but there's a lot of other iniquity drives. If somebody feels that they have iniquity drive, if they will humble themselves in prayer and fasting, and they'll get on their face and they'll say, Lord, forgive me for this in my life and in my family. I can see it's a family issue as well. Forgive me. You were bruised for my iniquity. I'm asking you to reach in me and take this junk out of me. You'll find that the Lord will deliver you from it. and you can be free amen. this is what a lot of times the the old time Pentecostal people understood there was a time when people accepted Christ that they called it praying through and they would stay in the altar and they would pray about stuff and if they've they've had sins in their life that was a bondage and they knew that it really controlled them. Somebody would be there with them and help them pray and they would stay in the altar till they felt that God had taken that out of them. But see, now people want to do away with things like that. And they just say this little prayer and you're good to go. Everything's cheap, quick, and easy. Well, the problem is people are not free. And so they're still struggling with things in the older Pentecostal churches they used to linger in the altar and pray through issues they would stay with somebody till they were you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit they would stay with somebody till they got their answer this iniquity stuff is serious and it's something that you really need to pray about so when we go into this time of prayer and fasting ask God to show you any iniquity and when you get that revelation let God take it out of you by the roots There's such a freedom. I remember this one guy was saying that God led him on to a fast. And as he was fasting, he said that after he accepted the Lord, he was so much in bondage to cigarettes, he wanted to be free. But as he was fasting, he said the power that was broken, God totally delivered him. And as he fasted, he found that sins he struggled with, besetting sins he found that god began to purge that out of him and delivered him from that as well and it also affected even his health that god healed him from some things and so the power of really pressing into god in humility and prayer and fasting and um i'll close with this you know it's important to make it a lifestyle some of the most powerful ministries that are out there will tell you prayer and fasting was the key. And they still pray and fast. They may have one day a week that they fast from morning to evening. Or they may, you know, a couple times a week they give up something and they spend that time with God. But they live like a fasted life. And it really supercharges their prayers and it, you know, frees them up from from things that's coming against them. There's something about prayer and fasting that makes for powerful Christians. And it weakens the enemy, but it really, the reason I believe it weakens the enemy is because it's, it's purging us and strengthening us. And so his power is weakened because he doesn't have over people what he used to. All right, so Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the power of your word, which is a double-edged sword that divides even the spirit and the soul. Lord, that we now can understand things that maybe we never did before. But give us the grace, Lord, to bring our flesh under, to have a disciplined soul and to live according to the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, Lord, we thank you for it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.